0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Olive Magazine podcast. This week Janine's fresh from judging at the British Pie Awards, Alex reveals the top coffee shops to visit in Vienna, and we talk to the man behind potentially the world's greatest invention ever, the Yorkshire burrito, aka a roast dinner in a Yorkshire pudding wrap. But first up, here's food director Janine with Chief Sub-Gregor sharing all the gossip from the British Pie Awards.
1: Hello, so I'm here today with Gregor. Hi, Gregor. Hi, Janine. And it's Pie Week.
2: Pie Week? You've just been to judge the British Pie Awards, haven't I you? have.
1: I have. I, I've judged 55 pies and I survived. <laughs> well done. Well done. So tell us about um, it. Well, it's, it's a really interesting award. It's the British Pie Awards. And every year um, there's 21 different classes that people can enter. So things like a cold pork pie, a regional pie. A, a, there's a steak pie. There's a. There's actually a contentious, I think, pasty, pasty class. Okay. And actually, a pasty won it last year when the whole. Okay. Um, you have to ask yourself: is is a pasty a pie? Is a pasty a pie? I don't know. They. I mean, these are the British Pie Awards, so they obviously deemed it to be a a, a class and that people could enter. So. so.
2: What 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 makes a pie a pie? then?
1: Well, in the rules, it is a pie is a um, a filling entirely enclosed in pastry. So, so I a pasty guess qualify. a pastry would qualify exactly. Mm. Um, so twenty-one different classes. In our class, we actually had fifty-five between us. So we had eight people. We got into groups of two, and we went through fifty-five pies. Um, so I think we did about between the two of us, we did about seventeen pies. Wow. Which was um, it was challenging. Yes. Um, speciality pies, which included game, pheasant, rabbit. Um, there was a goat pie. There was actually a cricket pie.
2: A cricket pie.
1: Yes. cricket. Oh, like
2: with the insect. Oh
1: cricket. yes. <laughs> <laughs> not not a pie for
2: eating when you're at a cricket match. No, no it no.
1: was uh, it was an insect pie.
2: Okay, and what was that like? <laughs> okay. Janine for those of you who are listening to this was shaking her head there in despair I'm
1: just saying that people keep pushing the idea of eating insects as a trend and mm. it's not a trend that I'm going to be hopping on anytime soon <laughs> you That's all I'm saying about it yeah. <laughs> but, uh, exactly yeah. but, um,
2: but um, you know I, it's, I, I suppose the idea of that is to get us used to the idea of eating insects before we have to
1: yeah I, I guess so but yeah. whether we have to or not is another thing but anyway I mean it um, apart, apart from the, you know, quite novelty, there was yeah. some really good use of trying to get like interesting and, and unusual things in there. You know, I thought the goat pie was really good. Was um, it like a
2: Caribbean style? It was a it?
1: Caribbean style, and the and mm-hmm. the, the pastry was like a roti style pastry. Lovely. So yeah, yeah, and it was it was really highly flavoured. I mean, I I really enjoyed that one. Um, the the way that you judge is is actually. It's really exacting. I mean, it's it, you have to go through different stages of judging. So just to give you a breakdown of um you start with a you start with a big number, a um, hundred, <laughs> the yeah. biggest number, um, and then you're taking marks off for each stage of um, of the, the pie. So you start with just looking at the over, overall appearance, mm-hmm. then you go to looking at the the bake on the pastry yeah. and the evenness of the pastry. So. In that case, you would be cutting into it and looking like, is it even all the way around? Is it baked all the way around? Like, Is the bottom really, really thick, whereas the sides are really thin? So you go into that with it. And then you go into the pastry taste and texture. Then you look at the filling and whether the pie is actually really well filled or not. Mm-hmm. Then you actually go into the filling, taste and texture. So, you, so you're going through every single little facet of the pie. Mm-hmm. Um, quite exhaustingly yeah. um and um and yeah it's you know you come out of it the other end and hopefully you've got a great pie i think in our category we got a we got a really good one that won it and um, sorry
2: so what was your category <clears throat>
1: speciality meat. speciality meat. speciality meeting game okay so was anything that you know you've got your bog standard sort of um steak pies and pork pies not that they were bog standard but then you anything that slightly veers off the um off the road of, of normal yeah. fillings, you would say. So we yes. had rabbit, yeah. we had pheasant. Um, as I said, we had the, the cricket. Yeah. So so yeah, it was interesting.
2: And so what what was your what one in your category? Are you allowed to reveal that? No, yet? I'm not. Not allowed I'm to reveal that. <laughs> <laughs> but okay.
1: um, but yeah, I mean it's a, it's a fifty five pies. There's a lot to get through. We um, you've got to try and stay focused, and you try and do it within a sort of time frame, maybe about. Uh, I think we, we managed to do it in about two and a half hours, right? Um, because you have to kind of just keep on it and, get, and be consistency. Consistency is the main thing. Yeah. You judge everything by the same criteria, and um, you don't judge the pies against each other. You're literally looking at each one in, individually. individually yeah. Okay.
2: And what? So what, what? do you use when when you're when you're judging pies? What do you use as a palate cleanser?
1: Oh. Um, well it was a, a like lemon squash I don't know it's quite weird it was so I think it was some kind of um, you know lemon barley water right okay which actually works really well I yeah. imagine
2: because it would get the sort of the fattiness of yeah, the meat out exactly like yes yeah, yeah, so yeah. I got
1: got through quite a lot of that okay good um, didn't actually have anything for my tea afterwards apart from wine <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: because I just couldn't face anything else to eat right. but it is fascinating and, and as a as a cook you learn a lot right um one of the things I learned was that people, in order to, I, th- I think a lot of people concentrate more on the filling than the pastry, which is a bit weird when you think like essentially a pie, for me, it makes its make or break by its, by its pastry, basically. Okay. But I think people sometimes get a little bit caught up in trying to reinvent the wheel, yeah. doing something really unusual and not, yeah. not worrying about the pastry. But I think that's the thing that you have to start with. But yeah, i met a lot of great people, a lot of really enthusiastic bakers, um, and pie makers um and and you sort of you pick up little tips along the way so it was it was a great experience um it did make me think though about about my you know my hero pies and mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff I was tasting like um was kind of reminding me about stuff when I grew up so um one thing that my grandma used to do when I was little is she would make a suet crust pie which is quite yes. it's quite unusual to right. do that um, these days, it's it's not used as much. I think possibly because it's it's not you know beef fat suet. So it, it's not trendy ingredient, is it?
2: Um, no, no. Yes. Well, I suppose that it's had a bit of a. Recovery. It's
1: had a bit of a. Yeah, a little bit of a. But that's quite recent, isn't yeah. it?
2: Really? I think I think most people stopped using it during the like late eighties and yeah. during the nineties. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The food. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but they but they did stop using it then, and uh, because everyone thought it was unhealthy, didn't yeah. they? Is it turns out, of course, like, like all those things do, that we're actually better off because it's not really processed, it's, it's not just, processed yeah. like is.
1: <clears throat> but what it does do, yeah, um, and actually, I, I have to say this, and she's not here anymore, grandma, but um. Her pie would not have got into the pie awards. Really? Beautiful as it was, because it, she used to do a top crust pie. Right. So basically what she'd do is she'd get some really slow-cooked, like, mm-hmm. beef shin, yeah. cook it with stock and onions, yeah. get a really deep, rich gravy with it. Then mm-hmm. she'd put it in a dish. She'd make um, a suet crust pastry, which would just be beef suet, mm-hmm. um, water, mm-hmm. um a bit of herbs, and then um, a bit of flour roll it out, put it on top, and what happened was the, the top bit would go all crunchy and golden mm-hmm. and the bottom bit would become like dumpling because that's what you make dumplings yeah, yeah. out of. Yeah. Um, I think it's you've got to use self raisin flour as well for that to give it a slight bit of a rise. Um, but according to the criteria of the British Pie Awards, that's not a pie.
2: Because it doesn't have the sides of the yeah, base. Yes,
1: because it's not completely enclosed filling. Right, okay. But yeah. I'm saying... They should start a
2: new
1: category for like Cromwell's <laughs> pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about you? What's your um, what's well, your go-to pie? Well, I don't
2: know. My the, the one that I that I miss the most um, is is uh, well Scotch pie. pie oh but, yeah. Or, but Dundee pie really. Yeah. Um. So Dundee pie is is you know it's it's mutton pie. It's like mutton white pepper. So it's that and
1: particular, that it would be that. a particular kind of meat as well. Well it's all, yeah. yeah.
2: It's a scotch pie, it's mutton pie, and it's with short crust pastry. With them, um, not short, hot water pastry, right?
1: And is it, am I right in thinking it's the little kind of perfectly round, flat Carefully pie? Perfectly round
2: one with one hole in the top. Yeah. That's right. Beautiful pies. Uh, I mean, obviously you get really cheap ones that aren't that nice, Yeah. but, but a good one is a good one. And it was from Dundee. Yeah. Um, Wallaces were the place that, that, that originated them, in it. but then many more people make them now. Um, but they are just the How best. How do they
1: get them so uniform? Do they actually make it in a mould or make it? I think into... they do,
2: it was like it's like an industrial, like banging out pies, yeah. And it's, I mean, they're they're brilliant. You get you can smell them. There's a bakery, an all night bakery somewhere on an industrial <laughs> estate.
1: Well, it was
2: yeah, and everyone's drawn towards it like zombie like Zombies like walking towards them. Yeah, while I was a student. The one girl that had a car used to used to go out and get the get the pies and bring them back. Um, but it, yeah, they were they're brilliant and also similar, but you know, but less less well known in mm. in England or uh, for for brideys. Okay, I've never
1: had one of those. No, I so don't so,
2: much so they're. Um, so they would qualify by your criteria for the... It's for not the my pack, criteria. By,
1: the, by They won't even let my grandma in. By the... <laughs> it's
2: definitely not your criteria. By the... For the, for the British pie ones. Yeah. They're, um They're like in this... They're folded over. Yeah. Like a circle folded over, enclosed and crimped it around like the edge. Sounds like a pasty to me. It's like a pasty. Right. But pasties are crimped on the top, whereas oh. that's crimped on the side. So it's I like the difference between a... Um, a stromboli and a...
1: Calzone. And a
2: calzone. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like that, but it's, it's, again, it's mutton inside. And you get onion varieties and plain varieties. Plain varieties have no onion in them.
1: That's,
2: you're right. a fussy lot
1: up there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inventing a whole non-onion yeah, style variety.
2: Right. But you also get them in a ludicrous variety of sizes, right? So you would get one that was big enough to feed a family of 10, amazing right it was like giant but usually you get them that are they're just like individual size
1: and where is it particular to did you say which for region for four okay. which
2: is which is a bit of an angus town big angus town yeah and it's and and um, yeah they're absolutely brilliant
1: and is it so but would that be something that like someone at home would make as well do you no.
2: think no it's something you would buy
1: really you wouldn't
2: it's, it's, it's unlikely that someone would Okay, yeah, you know, why, why, you why would that be?
1: Then?
2: I think, I think the, the, hot, the whole hot water cross oh, business yeah, is, it's is quite it's difficult. But, it's, but um, also because they make them so well. Yeah. They're like a fast food, really. And I think that they're, they're, they, were, they were made both, the brides were made, I think, for mm. farm workers. Really yeah. To take out for lunch with them, yeah, yeah. And, pa- and Dundee pies, I think, happened because Dundee, Dundee was to say that because they're
1: very easy to eat. I mean, they're they're, sort the of, they're made yeah. to eat on the hop, on exactly the size, that. and the fact that you can get the whole pie in your mouth, not the whole pie, yeah. but you can get a bite of the whole pie exactly quite that. easily without dropping it all the way down exactly. in front. Although
2: it's it's a bit trad to to eat it on a roll, right? Dundee pie ah, on a roll, okay. so the grease doesn't drip down your fingers.
1: So a soft white roll.
2: Soft white roll. Butter? With a, um, yeah, I sauce. don't think you do really need butter. Brown or sauce.
3: sauce. Just, you know, <laughs> but, you,
2: you, yeah, I mean, I always used to put sauce on, on my pies. Yeah. Brown sauce. Yeah. Especially if you got it in a calf.
1: Yeah.
2: And you got it in the squeezy bottles with the nozzles. Is that
1: the you one? You could
2: plunk the nozzle into the hole in the top of your pie <laughs> and pump the brown this sauce inside. This is next inside.
1: level pie pimping. Yeah, yes.
2: <laughs> but that was brilliant.
1: Yeah. And is that the special, you know in Scotland you get that special brown sauce that's got extra vinegar no, added to that, it. No, that's,
2: that's only in Edinburgh.
1: Only in Edinburgh? Only
2: in Edinburgh. <laughs> and you get that in fish and chip shops. Oh yeah. yeah, and it's
1: just called sauce.
2: It's just called sauce there. Yeah. But yeah, so the pies, one more thing about the Brideys, which I think is brilliant, <laughs> is, brilliant is that they, so you can tell which ones have onions in them right. and which don't, the ones without have one right. hole in them Right, and the ones with have two. Amazing, amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think yeah. we've all learned something there yeah, today, yeah. Greg. Yeah. Um, we've got so many delicious pie recipes on our website. Um, Alex has been posting them on Facebook all week, um, so go to OliveMagazine.com, check them out. Uh, go check out the British Pie Awards. Um, website as well, really interesting stuff on there, and I think they're announcing the winners on Friday, so we'll see. We will see who who
2: won. Who won? I don't. Talking of pie secrets, we've got a couple of cracking pies coming up in the magazine, but I'm not going to tell you oh, what yes, they are. Oh that's true. Watch yeah. out. For yeah. That one. yeah.
1: Thank you very much, Gregor.
2: Okay, no problem. Thanks, Janine.
0: Thank you to Janine and Gregor. Next up, Alex and I talk coffee culture in Vienna. Hello this is Laura and I'm here with Alex our lovely digital writer and Alex you've just come back from Vienna haven't you? I have. And you're going to talk to us about all of the wonderful coffee shops they have there. Yes
4: yeah so um, Austrians are really big on their coffee and um, what I found really interesting is the difference between the traditional Mm -hmm. literary cafes and the modern coffee shops um, because the Viennese, um, Viennese people and Austrian people in general have lots of different coffees. So, their okay. main ones are Kleiner Brauner, which is an espresso. Okay. Um, and then they have Grober Brauner. Sorry about the pronunciation. Any Austrians mm-hmm. out there? Um, and the Grober Brauner is an espresso with a dash of milk. Okay. And also, more typical in Vienna itself is the Viennese coffee yes. which is the one that lots of people see with all the whipped cream yeah. and cinnamon on the top very luxurious. Yes and yeah. um,
0: I've seen pictures of stunning traditional coffee houses in Vienna so did you visit lots of those?
4: Yeah we managed to go to a couple because there's so many um, and they there's a real movement of coffee shops that were frequented by literary people and people of note, and they've got stunning interiors, like the Café Central, for example. Right. It's probably the most famous yeah, one, I, I'd I, say. I'm
0: pretty sure I've heard of this one before.
4: Yeah, it's constantly got a queue out the door, but it's definitely <laughs> worth the wait because the interiors are absolutely stunning. Really? Um, it used to be a bank, okay. and like a stock market building, Very so you cool. can imagine a lot of money went into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but then in 1876, it opened as Café Central, and it's really famous for its past frequenters because, like in Paris, I don't know if you've ever been to Les Dôme and Café de Flore, mm. those literary cafes, uh, where famous artists and writers went. So Café Central was frequented by people like Leon Trotsky and Sigmund Freud. Mm. Um, but about, about the food? Yes, <laughs> they do amazing patisserie. Okay. Um, so we had this hazelnut and chocolate slice, which had a really rich ganache and crunchy hazelnuts, and then fiatty, which is one of my mm. favourite textures, because it's really crisp yeah. and almost crackles in it's your so mouth. so delicious. Um, and they're also obviously famous for the apple strudel, mm-hmm. which they serve warm and it's really flaky and Mm -hmm. lovely and they actually have a lot of specialty coffees which are almost like a twist on the viennese coffee okay
0: so So even though it's traditional they do mix. yes they do so they have
4: like orange liqueur i had one which was called the maria Teresa, and it had lots of whipped cream i I
0: don't think i've ever had orange and coffee as a combination before
4: you know what it was i had it in the morning i (laughs) would say um and it was actually really nice because it just gave it a little kick. It wasn't yeah. too strong. Yeah. Uh, it just had a nice like, fresh note to the,
0: the end. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I really like some of those places. with yeah. so much history.
4: Yeah. Because, well, that's the thing. They have all these places, but there's a big difference between the really grand ones and mm-hmm. then those that are a bit more bohemian. Because yeah. Because if you think about the history of the city itself, mm-hmm. um, you've got two kind of movements, haven't you? Yeah. You're, you know, you're more out there grand places and I also love Klein's Cafe. Because okay. That's a lot more bohemian and it was designed right. in the 1970s by this Viennese architect called Hermann Check. Okay. Who apparently is quite famous. In the architecture world. Okay. Um, but it's beautiful because it's so tiny and it still maintains its really bohemian atmosphere yeah. um, and it's slightly tatty in the best way because it's got these <laughs> Shabby like, chic. Yeah, leather dark banquette and um, mismatched tiles on the floor but they're all from different areas so it's oh, just wow. it sounds cool. And, um, and then there's green chairs that spill out onto the patio outside which is lovely and there it's great to get a Viennese melange which is an espresso with foamed milk and it towers okay. up yeah it's really cool
0: very cool yeah. um, and so what about the modern coffee shops then did you manage to try any of those too
4: yes yeah so when I first was researching about Vienna I didn't really find many like modern places because in a lot of European cities they've got mm. this like modern hipstery movement yes, yeah. as we've seen in London and yeah. um, everywhere really now <laughs> um, so these coffee shops Serve more speciality coffee. Right. I'd say they're probably better quality coffee. Okay. Um. And but it's just in more modern <clears throat> environments, so and yeah. usually have lots of geeky coffee equipment like the V sixties and the Aeropress. Okay. Um. And one of the most beautiful places we went in Vienna was called Balthazar. Okay. And it was really clean and bright with a huge Lamacosta Strada coffee machine. Mm-hmm. and that was like dominating the entrance and very then cool. it had it was quite minimalist and then it had white furniture and then a counter that just spanned the whole space Wow! and um, it was really intricately patterned with that like, blue mm-hmm. tiles it was stunning um, and their their coffee actually comes from a specialist racer in Germany okay. so they focus very much on the coffee rather yeah. than the history because the they quality, have to compete yeah. really don't Indeed, they?
0: Indeed yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just imagining all the smells now I'm kind of getting stuck in I and I want to go and try in this place. You should
4: definitely mm. go. So what I found really interesting in Vienna, though, is there's a really great movement, which I haven't seen in a lot of places, and it combines culture with cafes okay so they have um a place called phil which is one of the first places to do that mm-hmm. and it's a cafe first and foremost but actually there's like books everywhere I on the that. shelves and we've got to make tables and crates mm. and it's a really nice atmosphere because everyone flicks through the books and you can try before you buy almost yeah um, and it's really quirky and there's lots of mismatched retro furniture um, and we also visited a place called Super Sense, okay. which is quite a random name. Yeah. A um, bit more
0: glamorous than Phil. Yes,
4: yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a few doors down from Balthazar that I spoke about before. And they have like a retro 60s living room recording studio, so you can go and record do. a song. <laughs> and also <Wow. laughs> they have this old-fashioned elevator and you can go in and record a 90-second clip straight to vinyl, which That's we did, So cool. Was very fun. Um, and they've got hundreds of vinyls that you can just go and listen to. You can spend the whole afternoon there, wow. really. So I really liked that in Vienna. I found that really something that redefined yeah. the, the place. Yeah. Um, Very cool.
0: Yeah. Okay, so is there anything else that we should be looking out for when we go back our trip to try all these coffee shops in Vienna? <sighs>
4: yes. yes. <laughs> um, I'd say for... Because we've talked a lot about drinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, for eating... A place called Wine Schenker. Okay. That's how you pronounce it. It's a burger kiosk and it has proper burgers with homemade buns, but they're Mm, really crisp. And you can also get polenta buns. and They've got vegetarian ones and all sorts. And their chips are so delicious. They're (laughs) like crisp, round discs.
0: Wow. But
4: like, it's almost like roast potatoes. Okay, they sound like a hockey
0: puck of deliciousness. Yeah. Potato goodness. Very, very good.
4: And that's in Carmelita Market, which is... Definitely mm-hmm. worth a visit on a sunny day because you can sit out in the cafes and nice. there's beautiful buildings. In Vienna, mm-hmm. everywhere, it's just stunning, honestly. You can't... It's <laughs> given. You, yeah. yeah, even though the places which might not have been so um, flashy before, yeah. they're still stunning. Brilliant. Um, and one more place, even though it's back to drinking, <laughs> this is Cocktails. Okay. Um, I think it was my favourite place there. Oh, wow. Okay. Roberto's American Bar. Okay. And it's... Tiny, sultry little bar run by Roberto Pavlovic. Okay. And you walk in, and the bar takes up half the space, and it's got a really impressive chandelier made of, like, these pearly strings that curve into the ceiling. Oh, it sounds amazing. Yeah, you'll have to to see pictures. I'll try Uh and describe it better when I I write about it. Um, And it has, like, a speakeasy vibe with uh, little booths down each side. Okay. And they're made really exclusive with these heavy velvet curtains. Mm, Wow. Um, Yeah, it's really glamorous. And the cocktails are brilliant. So I had an old-fashioned made with Maker's Mark bourbon. Okay. And also this frothy gin fizz with, like, pineapple juice yeah that sounds really,
0: really good, good. okay yeah. cool so what should our lovely listeners do if they want to hear or well, read more about vienna well
4: i'll be writing i'll be writing um a piece about vienna um and so that's beyond olivemagazine.com, but also what um what i came across recently that we have on the website is a piece written by Eric whites who's the ceo and founder of a Doppio Coffee. Okay. And he has gone through each European country mm. and said how they take their coffee. Oh, clever. and it's really interesting because mm. it takes in a lot of the history and the culture of a place, and it really shows. Like I, like I noticed in Vienna, mm. that the cafes and coffee shops really define,
0: yeah, like the history and like what's
4: going on and current movements. Mm. So yeah, that's really cool. So
0: that's a great piece to go check out on the website. Yes. Brilliant. All right. Thank you so much, Alex. That was super interesting and I definitely want to go drink coffee in Vienna now. Thank you. And finally, here's Henry Preen of street food store Yorkshire Burrito with our fellow Yorkie, Alex, on what makes a perfect roast dinner.
4: Hello. So I'm Alex and I'm here at Street Food Union Market on Rupert Street in Soho and I'm here to chat about Yorkshire puddings, gravy, and the ultimate Sunday roast with fellow Yorkshireman, Henry Preem. Hello, hi, Henry.
3: Hi.
4: So Henry has just set up the Yorkshire burrito and a street food stall with Yorkshire pudding Sunday roast wraps dipped in gravy, but more about that later. So Henry, we've been friends yeah. for a long time. We have. We go way back, and therefore we've enjoyed lots of Sunday roast together. Correct. In Yorkshire and England overall, in London, uh, all over the place. Yeah. So, the big question: mm. roast chicken or roast beef? Beef. Beef. beef I was going to say or something else if you want, but that was a very. Well, actually,
3: no. T- top of the box would be pork. Roast pork with crackling is is my number one. Okay. Which will be appearing on the menu shortly.
4: oh, is yeah. it on? Isn't on it yet?
3: No, so I can't, it can't get it on at the moment. I okay. Need a bit more space. We'll all see. right. So see. watch
4: the space. Uh, yeah. So um, beef. Uh, why? Why beef?
3: Just like a good rib of beef is just a great thing. You get proper good gravy out of it. It's nice with horseradish as well. It's one of my favourite condiments, that's a good mm. thing. With a roast potato, it's just Yeah. It's great. Yeah.
4: Amazing. Chicken so, is a
3: classic, but yeah.
4: Yeah, it's, I am I'm actually a chicken girl because
3: yeah. Beef just feels a bit more special, I think. Because you have chicken quite a lot throughout like the week. True. Like it's quite
4: true. I always it? feel like when I go out for a Sunday roast, um I I went to the and last recently yeah. and they really specialize in their roast beef mm. but um i wanted to order the roast chicken and all the roast um pork belly because i love crackling Every time, it's great any tips for the best crackling
3: best crackling uh making sure it's dry so like kind of leaving it out for a little bit and also uh like boiling water over the top of it, it kind of shrinks up the pores and helps sort of dry everything out so a bit of boiling water over the top first and it shrinks up all the skin Pat it dry and then loads of oil and salt on it and then just nice high oven at first and turn it down.
4: Ah, right, bit. okay. Yeah. I'll do that at home. Yeah. Um, also, I'm, I'm a chicken girl because of the skin. I love crispy chicken skin. Yeah, it's great. Um, we've got an amazing recipe on olivemagazine.com which has got, um, it's roast chicken with garlic and thyme croutons, Ooh. which are really good. Which brings me on to the sides. So mm. very, very important, if not the most important thing for me are the roast potatoes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, what make the best roast potatoes? Be best roast potatoes, lots of garlic and lots of rosemary, in my opinion. Like yep. a kind of nice small one. You want to parboil them till they're almost falling apart, in my opinion. I like them when they're sort of super fluffy on the inside. Yeah. And then I tend to use lard when I do it, just because Nard. it gets really hot, so you get a nice sort of crust on them. Oh, but so okay. do that all like right. If you have got beef dripping or like some goose fat, something like that, just yeah. like a good proper fat, yeah. as opposed to oil. Like olive oil, leave that alone; it doesn't get hot enough.
4: Well, we, what we do is um, on olive, we have a recipe with King Edward potatoes, and mm. you put them in rapeseed oil, and oh, then at yeah. the end you put a couple of knobs of butter yeah, for like a really added crunch, so yeah, that, yeah, that really yeah. like seals it
3: off That's nicely. That's a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. but I do them. So yeah, like whatever fat you decide to do, get that on your hob and get it nice and hot, and then. Of rosemary, lots of garlic in there and stuff, and get all that into the oil a little bit before you put the parboiled spuds in there. Get them a little bit crisp before bunging them in the oven, and that's when you get like this sort of nice, crispy, but almost like a little bit of a chewy, crisp thing to them, which I really like. Ooh, but yeah, right, lots of salt as well, and lots of pepper. Yeah,
4: yeah. Um, and then gravy so gravy. you dip your Yorkshire pudding wraps in pots of gravy yeah gravy.
3: so they come with like little dipping pots so it's a mega gravy so you got all the cooking juices from the chicken and the beef so there's a lot of red wine a lot of white wine a lot of garlic going on in there it's a really good thing so as
4: much, but, as, much as possible yeah
3: but like Proper gravy is just about reducing it down a lot. So don't season up your gravy too much before you've reduced it, I reckon. And also sort of making sure you get all the sticky stuff that's stuck to the bottom of your beef pan Ooh, and make yeah. sure you get all that off because that's where all the flavour is in my opinion. Yeah. And
4: how long do you think it takes to make the best gravy? Well, it gravy?
3: depends. Like If you've got a good roasting tin, you get it on the, tra- on the hob and stuff, obviously you've got a lot more surface area there. So it boils down pretty quick, but until you've got a nice sort of thick consistency, I tend not to thicken my gravy because I think if you reduce it down enough, then it's kind of, you've got the right consistency okay. there anyway. Uh, yeah, I think that's
4: yeah, great. Gravy. So moving on to the main event for us, See. the Yorkshire pudding. All right. So something very close to our hearts.
3: It is indeed, Yorkshire, yeah.
4: Yorkshiremen that we are. Do we know how it came about?
3: So what I've heard is that the Yorkshire pudding used to be a thing that you'd put underneath. Um, so like, sort of, when people didn't have as much money or like the sort of poorer families, they'd get a rack of meat, which isn't obviously you don't have a lot to go between quite a few people, so you'd have that on the shelf above the Yorkshire pudding and have the Yorkshire pudding sitting below it, so you get all the meat juices to drip down onto the Yorkshire pudding and it acts as something to kind of help fill people up. Ah. So uh, it kind of makes your meal go a little bit further and you've still got like sort of meaty flavour and that in there. So. so
4: it's a filler? Yeah! Well I'm glad they decided to fill people yeah. up because it's definitely my favourite part.
3: Yeah definitely. Apart from the Especially of when it's toast, like maybe. proper soaked and gravy.
4: Yeah, so, so tell us, how did the Yorkshire burrito come about?
3: several it's it's a combination of a few things I mean firstly just sort of thinking back to um, like when you go down to the pub and you've got those like sort of roast dinner and a giant Yorkshire pudding filled with gravy that's a great thing and also just because there's not really a huge amount in the way of British street food and I think in my opinion the thing that we do best as a country is the Sunday roast it's what other people kind of know us for food wise and I think yeah, it made sense. I wanted to do something that was kind of British without being sort of like, ooh, a But yeah, like, yeah. definitely.
4: I think because-
3: I mean, it's worth ce- celebrating something that we do so well.
4: Exactly, because we're, we're we're so well-known for street food in London, mm. particularly. And it's it's weird that there isn't more Yeah, so um, you can get market. food from
3: every corner of the world, all over the place, and there's nothing really. I mean, you can't, there's not much in the way of British stuff, but like, I can't really think of what we've got. Like, well, fish and chips and that, I'm sure you can get that on some of them, but.
4: Yeah. Look.
3: Sunday roast. Yorkshire Pudding a, Wrap, why not? Yorkshire Pudding's and roast potatoes all in one. I mean, so like, what are your fillings? My fillings, so they all come with stuffing in there and rosemary roast potatoes, like mm. sort of lots of rosemary and salt, they're quite tasty. Uh, a bit of spinach because healthy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure Henry. Break, break <laughs> up the brown a little bit. <laughs> and then we've got slow braised beef brisket, which is all sort of cooked in a load of red wine and like your yeah, mirepoix and stuff, of carrots and onions oh. and celery all that and then the chicken as well so we've got chicken one which is roasted off with a load of lemon honey lots and lots of black pepper um bit of white wine in there as well. It's all pretty mm. good. And then soon, pork with crackling and apple sauce. Yes. Ah, mm. oh,
4: definitely. Oh,
3: yeah, and cauliflower cheese as well. So you've got a cauliflower cheese yeah. thing that goes in there as well. Ah, if you want that so as well. cauliflower
4: cheese, I think that's really important for an added indulgence. And also mm. it's really good for um, vegetarian if you want to have all of the trimmings. That is, and then not you've just
3: reminded me, yeah, I do also have a vegetarian one, which is with the cauliflower cheese instead ah, of the meat.
4: so how do you make a cauliflower cheese?
3: So I, cauliflower cheese is like, one of those things that can be quite easy to get it wrong when people boil their cauliflower like loads and it's just a bit like kind of insipid and yeah. So I roast it off on the grill with a load of garlic and a bit of salt and pepper and all that and then sort of get it a nice bit of colour to it and kind of leave it quite crunchy still as well so there's a bit of bite there cheese sauce is just your sort of standard cheese sauce a bit of white wine vinegar and a bit of mustard powder lots Ooh. and lots of cheese
4: yeah what type of cheese
3: oh the most mature cheddar available wow. to man
4: great <laughs> right well so let's go and try one of your pudding wraps um um if you want to catch henry he's on yorkshireburrito.com and also at rupert street it's Street food union market and also we've got loads of sunday roast recommendations
0: on olivemagazine.com so check them out thanks henry
3: no worries thanks
0: thanks to henry alex gregor and janine and to you our lovely podcast listeners let us know what you thought of this week's episode by tweeting us at olive magazine and do us a massive favor if you like so even more people get to hear us talking all things food drink and travel by reviewing and rating us on itunes it literally takes seconds and we'd be eternally grateful don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss another episode and remember you can read more in our monthly magazine and online at olivemagazine.com so happy eating happy drinking happy listening happy